Well, good morning again. Uh, as Anthony said, my name is Jonas. Um, Josh and Joy asked me to um, bring a little word this morning there at uh, South Toledo campus, uh, together celebrating their anniversary uh, at that campus. So we're going to continue on in our sermon series titled Walking in the Spirit. And if you were not here last week, Pastor Joy uh, brought a good word um, titled Walking in the Spirit is Walking in Obedience. And I've learned uh, in my life, I believe, God gave me when I was just first coming to the Lord about five and a half years ago, uh, surrendering, surrendering my life to him and going through all of that. Um, that word obey was a word that God gave me as, as just kind of a foundation for my walk with him. Um, obey. It's all through the Bible. Um, I won't go over that. Uh, Pastor Joy did an amazing job last week. So this week, continuing that, um, my sermon title, I guess, would be Walking in the Spirit Means Walking in Truth. So we're going to talk a little bit this morning about um, what truth is, uh, the Spirit's role in that. Um, walking in the truth requires understanding uh, what the truth is. Uh, so we'll get into that. I'll pray real quick before we start. Uh, Father God, we come to you once again, Lord. We thank you. God, just for who you are, God, we thank you for your word this morning, God. We know that your word renews us, God. It washes us clean. It is your word that produces change in our hearts and in our lives, God. And I just pray, God, that your word would go forth this morning, God. You say that your word will accomplish what it is sent out to do, God. So I just pray that you would bless this word, God, as it is your word, and that it would just penetrate the hearts of your people, God, to produce change and fruit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first point of this would be um, walking in the Spirit, means walking in truth, that Jesus himself called the Holy Spirit the Spirit of truth. That is one of the Holy Spirit's names. There's many things that the Holy Spirit is called, and uh, just to kind of say that there's many things that the Holy Spirit does on this earth. This isn't you know, even throughout this series, this isn't the totality of who the Holy Spirit is um, because he is the Spirit of God and he is infinite. So this is just kind of an overview of, of who the Holy Spirit is. And I will also say, too, real quick, it's not on the slide or anything, but this is a, um, a verse, another thing that Jesus had said, and I find this interesting. It's found in John uh, chapter 5, I believe, when he's talking to his disciples I'm sorry. Hold on a second. That's not where it's at. I don't have it written down. So anyway, there's a part in, um, actually, it's in John 16. All right. This is, this is why you should be prepared and not add things at the last second. So it's Jesus is coming towards the end of his life. The um, John chapters 14 through 17 are just very rich and the, the things that Jesus left for his disciples and for us. Um, it's, I believe it's called the upper, upper room discourse is the, kind of the, what theologians have titled that. But those are basically Jesus' last words to his followers and the, the future followers of Christ. Very important stuff, very good stuff in those chapters. So he's talking about the Holy Spirit, and he, he's talking to his disciples. Um, and he says, this is starting in verse 4. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. He's speaking of his death. 
But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you asked me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Real quick, um, there's a thought that I always had as I've walked with God, and I'm not sure if anybody else in here who's walked with God has ever had this thought, that I would have loved to have walked with Jesus. And when I was younger, and I guess a little more immature, I had this thought that how, how differently would I have lived if I would have actually physically walked with Jesus? How much closer would I have obeyed him? You know, has anybody ever thought that in here, that just how lucky the disciples were to have physically walked with the Son of God on this earth? But then I read this scripture, and it kind of challenges that thought. So Jesus says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. But if I go, I will send him to you. So this is, I want to kind of preface kind of all of this that we're talking about, that we have it better with the Holy Spirit than the disciples had it physically walking with Jesus. Those are Jesus' words. So you have to know that about the Holy Spirit. Is, is the revelation that the Holy Spirit gives us and his role in our lives is different than the role that Jesus played as he walked with his disciples. It's different. So we have that. We have the Holy Spirit, which is better than having walked with Jesus. Just keep that in your mind as you walk with God and get to know God. So, the Spirit of truth. John 14, 16 through 17. Jesus said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And that was actually kind of followed what I had just read when Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. John 15, 26. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And we'll kind of get into that, the Holy Spirit bearing witness about Jesus to us. But that's one of the roles that the Holy Spirit plays in our lives, is to reveal to us the truth of who God is, and he, he testifies of who Jesus is. And then in John, 1 John 5, 6, that's the second part of the verse. It says, and the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is truth. So Jesus who is God and part of the Trinity, these are his words concerning who the Holy Spirit is. Again, this isn't the totality of who the Holy Spirit is, but he calls him the Spirit of truth. So the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. Walking in the Spirit means that we must walk in truth. Amen? The Holy Spirit is the compass that always points towards truth. One of the, the things that he points us to, I'm going to go, kind of go over three things here. The Spirit points to the truth of God. The Spirit points to the truth of God. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 12. Um, before I read that, I'll read this real quick. So uh, one of the things that he points towards the truth of God is the plans of God. Where he reveals to us the plans of God concerning us, the people around us our lives, our future. He reveals to us the plans of God. You know, we all know the verse, um, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have towards you, says the Lord, plans of good and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 9 through 12. 
Uh, just kind of a little side note, I would encourage anybody who is looking towards kind of getting to know the Holy Spirit better and the, the function and the role of the Holy Spirit, read 1 Corinthians chapter 2 over and over and over again. There is so much in this chapter about who the Holy Spirit is and what he does in our lives. Verse 9, but as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. I've heard this quote almost my entire life. I don't know if anybody else has. It's a very famous Bible verse. I always thought and assumed that this verse was speaking of heaven. That's just what I thought, that the, the things that God has prepared for us, my mind always went to heaven. But here recently in the last few months, God has just shown me that he's talking about now, right? God desires to reveal to us the things now. And I will tell you, and this is, as I have walked with God and I've kind of started assuming kind of where God's leading or what might be happening next or what God's doing next, God is just kind of, the Holy Spirit has always whispered into me, like, you have absolutely no idea what I'm going to do with your life. And I would just say that to most, really everybody in here, you have no idea what God wants to do with your life. But he wants to share that with you. I believe that God desires to share who he is with us, and that's what this uh, passage is talking about. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. God reveals these things to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Which kind of is my second, well, is my second point, that the, the, the Spirit points and, and, and kind of guides us into the depth of who God is. And this, uh, these next couple verses in this passage have always challenged me, and as I'm walking more with God, I'm getting to know this a little more and more. I'll just start rereading, uh, start in verse 10. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We cannot know the depths of who God is without the Spirit of God. There's an aspect of, this is kind of difficult to explain, but I'm going to try. So there's an aspect of who we are as people that is almost hidden from the natural man. And I'll get into a little bit more of this as, as we go through, but, but I, I have learned in my walk with God, as God has sent men of God into my life to challenge me and speak into me, he uses his word, he speaks himself. I, my natural man doesn't know the depths of me, like, because that's, that's where deception comes in. We are so easily deceived. And another uh, famous verse is, um, you know, the, the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? Well, God knows it, right? The spirit of God knows it. And the Spirit of God desires to communicate with your spirit, which is made alive at the rebirth, right? That's what Jesus is talking about, being born again when he's talking to Nicodemus. It's not a rebirth of Nicodemus almost sarcastically is as a grown man. Like, oh, you go back into your mom and you're born again, and Jesus says what's from a, born from above is from above, right? That, that your spirit, when you, the, the, the life, death, and the, more importantly, the resurrection of Jesus Christ when you receive that into your life and you allow him to start working, your spirit 
is now born again. That's the word, born again Christian. That's what it's talking about. Your spirit is born again. Now, the natural man doesn't understand these things. This is supernatural. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. This is why Jesus said it is more important for us that he goes away so that he can send the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit can reveal these things to us. The natural man cannot comprehend these things. You have to have the Spirit of God reveal these things to you. And I, I truly believe as I've walked with God that God has a, has a deep desire to share these things with you. I do believe that, that, you know, our walk with God is very intimate. It's very personal. It's very relationship-based. And God has an intense desire to share his heart with you through his Holy Spirit. The Spirit also points to the gifts of God. Now, I just kind of scribbled some, some down. Some of the gifts of God that come to my mind are uh, just his grace, is a gift, right? For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself. It is a gift of God. God freely gives you that. His mercy is a gift. His love is a gift. Heaven is a gift that he gives us. His spirit, he sent that as a gift. All of this was done through his son, right? Verse 12 in this passage says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. The, the, really, the, to simplify this passage, what I would say is, is you cannot get any of this without the Holy Spirit. It only comes through the Holy Spirit. So that's just, again, it, it, this is a brief overview. That was a brief overview of how the Holy Spirit points us towards the truth of God and who God is. The second point is the Spirit points us to the truth of Jesus. Now, I'm going to start this. I don't have this slide, but John chapter 519, I was, uh, kind of, as I was working through this, this sermon, God kind of put this on my heart that when Jesus was on this earth, he made this statement in John 519. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, the Son of Man, or the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. Jesus was very clear in his, in his ministry on earth that he is only doing what God tells him to do. Jesus came to this earth to point mankind to God. Then Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to this earth to point us to Jesus. That's one of the roles and functions of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit testifies about Jesus. John 15, 26. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. So the Holy Spirit bears witness or testifies or reveals to us, shows us who God is and who Jesus is. John 16, 13 through 14. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. This is almost literally word for word the exact same thing Jesus said on this earth about himself, that he doesn't speak on his own authority. He only is revealing and speaking what he heard the Father say and what the Father has told him. Likewise, the Holy Spirit's function on earth is the exact same thing to point us towards Jesus. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. 
and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine, and he will declare it to you. Again, that's just another function of how the Holy Spirit points us to Jesus. John 16, 8 through 11. The Holy Spirit also points non-believers to Jesus. It's not just his work in our life. It's his work across the planet, really, and all people across the planet. John 16, 8 through 11. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. There's another scripture, I don't have it written down, but where Jesus says that, that nobody comes to God unless the Holy Spirit draws him first. Right? Like our natural mind, we don't seek after God. God said, it's, it's in the Old Testament, I think in Psalms or somewhere, he says that there are none who seek after me, no, not one. There are none that are righteous. None of us are righteous on our own. None of us seek after God on our own. And that's what he's talking about here, that the Holy Spirit convicts the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment, concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. If you get convicted of your sin, you can know that that's not your natural man, that's not your flesh, and it's certainly not the enemy, right? That's the Holy Spirit that convicts you of your sin. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, that's revealing the 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 godhood of who Jesus is because he went back to the Father. The Holy Spirit reveals these things to humanity. And then it's on us, we reject it or we accept it. I had a real quick conversation with a kid the other day. I work at uh, the Cherry Street Mission. I have a, a great opportunity in my job that I get to minister to people basically all day, every day. Um, kind of one of the cool things about my job, and everybody has an opportunity to minister, but my job, it's almost a requirement. You know what I mean? I remember I was talking to, uh, kind of real quick, I was in Teen Challenge. It's a Christian facility. I was there for 13 months. But one of the, the ministers up there, Brother Todd, said to me one day, he was leaving the ministry after 25 years, and he was going into commercial roofing. And he told me, he said, you know, Jonas, he said, the unique thing, and I'm excited about it, about going into this job is, is that here on this campus, I have the right to ask you whatever I want. You know what I mean? If you come and you sign into this ministry, I have the right to challenge you, to ask you whatever I want to get into your business. And if you want to stay here and be here, you have to answer me. But now in this new job I'm going towards, I have to earn the right to speak into people's lives. And my job's kind of like that too, where if you're, if you're in our facility and you're in the dining center where I work, like I, I have the right to come up and talk to you. And I don't you know, push it, you know what I mean? Because you kind of want a two-way conversation. Um, but I have that right and the expectation to do that. So I was talking to this kid. He was like 19 or 20 years old, and uh, one of my coworkers asked me to go up and talk to him. He was leaving that day, and he had just really hostile towards the things of God and had called himself an atheist, right? I don't believe in God, atheist. I have a hard time with, with atheists, and I'll tell you why. 99% of the people that I have talked to who say they do not believe in God, if you talk to them long enough, you will find out it's not that they don't believe in God. It's they don't like God. And they disagree with how they feel God operates. God has put eternity into the heart. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, 
concerning righteousness, because he goes to the Father, concerning judgment. Like, the Holy Spirit is speaking to people. I, I personally don't believe in atheism. I believe in the rejection of God. You can call it. And so I, at the end of that conversation, it was a really good conversation because what I felt that the Lord wanted to tell this kid, I didn't push and press or pray. I prayed with him a little bit, but stop calling yourself an atheist. That's, that's what I felt the Lord wanted to tell him. Quit calling yourself an atheist because it's a lie. And you know it's a lie. You know there's a God and you know who God is. That's just a personal belief of mine. I've ran into that quite a bit. If you press an atheist hard and long enough, you're probably going to find some root of bitterness or anger towards God for the things that go on in the world. Uh, one of the things that I'll say, too, that God has revealed to me, this is kind of a side note, um, just in the way we as Christians in the church kind of deals with nonbelievers, um, you know, that, that this verse says that the Holy Spirit convicts the world um, concerning judgment uh, because the ruler of this world is judged. And he's talking about Satan, right? That's the ruler of this world. That's what the Bible calls him. Satan and, and the enemy and his principalities and all of those things, they're already judged. God is, has, and this is just a kind of an easy truth, but if a human being is upright, walking, and breathing, they haven't been judged yet. You know what I mean? Like, they're still alive. They haven't stood before God in judgment. So we, I think, as Christians, have a, we have a responsibility to try to reach into people's lives. That's just kind of a side note that God kind of brought into my mind as I was reading this, um, that Satan's the one that's judged already. Other people are not if they're still alive. And, and just take that seriously as we minister and love on people. That th their sin isn't judged yet. Not yet. Anyway, the third thing that the Spirit points to is the truth of God's Word. John 17 17. This is, again, Jesus talking. You'll notice most of these, uh, basically almost all of the scripture I've been using about the Holy Spirit is found between John chapters 14 through 17. I would really encourage anybody who is seeking a closer walk with God and to understand the Holy Spirit and his role on earth and in our lives, read John 14 through 17 over and over and over again. Um, John 17, 17. This is Jesus speaking. He says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. That word sanctify means to set apart. Set them apart in the truth. Your word is truth. 1 Corinthians 2, 13 through 16 is a continuation of what we were reading a little bit ago, just about how the Spirit, uh, you know, searches the depths of God and stuff. Um, the Holy Spirit with, with the word of God he helps us to interpret and understand the Word of God. He helps us to apply the Word of God to our life. 1 Corinthians 2, 13 through 16. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly or foolishness, for they are foolishness to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but he is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. And that's what that, that verse is talking about, is, is that the Holy Spirit uses the word of God 
to impart wisdom and direction in our lives. If you remember, those of you who have been coming and we did the sermon series uh, tuned in, right, on hearing the voice of God. And one of the ways that they talked about hearing the voice of God was through the word of God, right? That you hear God speaks to you through his word. Why it's so important to be in the word daily, to memorize it, to meditate on it, to, to get to know it, to take it with you everywhere you go, and the Holy Spirit will minister to you through the word of God. Ephesians 6, we also did a sermon series for those of you who have been coming for a while on the, the full armor of God. And when you go through the full armor of God, the offensive weapon is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. The Spirit uses the Word of God to penetrate into our hearts to correct us, to guide us, to lead us. He'll give us words when we're speaking and ministering to other people. This kind of came to me, and I've known both of these verses for a while, but as I put this together, this became just really, just alive to me. The sword of the Spirit is the, is the Word of God. Hebrews 4, 12 and 13. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. That is speaking of, obviously, the word of God. It is living and it is active, and it is the sword of the Spirit. The Spirit does this. The Spirit guides that active, living word, discerning our thoughts, revealing to us the motivations in our heart. When I first started talking, one of the things I talked about was we, we can't know the depths of ourselves without the Holy Spirit. We have a hard time, I do anyway, I'll personalize this, I have a hard time discerning the motivation behind why I'm doing things. And I'll, I'll share this. Um, so I, I, this is the third time that I've preached in front of people. And I get terrified of doing this. I do. I get really nervous. I'm putting this together. You can ask my wife. She's patient with me <laughs> leading up to these, these days. The first time I did it, I wasn't very nervous putting it together or getting up here and speaking. I was really focused on what God had to say, and I knew that God had a word for everybody the second and then this time, I just got really just anxious and nervous. And so I'm praying. And again, I could, I could chalk it up to I'm just starting to do this, right? I've only done it a couple times. That's why I'm nervous. I'm just learning how to do this. That's, that would be, and even people say that, well, you know, the more you do this, the better you'll get. The more you do this, the more comfortable you get. But what God showed me, and again, these are things that are spiritually discerned, is, is that my fear is solely based upon what you guys think about me. Purely. And that's a slightly embarrassing thing to admit to everybody, but I don't care. You know what I mean? It's the truth. The only fear that I have of speaking in front of you guys is, what do you think? Is it good? Did you guys get anything out of it? All of that. Once I do that, I stop doing it for God. I'm not doing it for God anymore. I'm doing it for me. 
and my, my fear and my frustration and, and pouring over this over and over and over again comes down to trying to be good enough for you guys. And that's why when we're singing that song this morning that God is, you know, the spirit of fear, and as we're singing these things, and, and I'm singing it, and God is like, do you really? Right? Are you really? Have you given up that spirit of fear? Are you walking as a child of God? Is my blood flowing through you that you've, that you've given up caring what other people think about you and that you've just given your life to me? A, a while ago, God asked me this question, and it's, it's kind of just starting to, to come to, to reality. He asked me one day, are you willing to be made a fool for me? Are, are we willing to be made to look foolish in front of other men for the cause of Christ. And God challenges me with that. And that's where my fear comes from for speaking in front of people. It's not the content. This is the word of God. God does what he does. The Holy Spirit does what he does. Me putting this together amazing and, and, and the good slides and good quotes from other people and all these other things, it's not going to penetrate your heart, right? The Holy Spirit takes it. And he penetrates your heart with it. So what am I afraid of? Why, why allow the thoughts of other? And I would, have, I would have never admitted this to myself. This is where the Spirit of God comes in, and I'm like, Lord, I'm afraid, and I'm giving him excuses. I just started doing this and all of those things. He goes, no, that's not why you're afraid. That's not the motivation. That's not your intent. That's because we read it, right? The Word of God is living, active, sharper than any two-edged sword pierces the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow, discerns the thoughts and the intention of the heart. You can't, good luck gauging your intentions when you're doing things. So easily deceived. Our heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? Well, God knows it, right? The Holy Spirit knows it. And if you're willing to walk in the truth of God, if you're willing to to allow the Holy Spirit to show you these things and then make adjustments. He'll show you these things. He will. He will, he will tell you, no, Jonas, that's not why you're afraid. Let me tell you why you're afraid. And then the, he takes me to a verse, Galatians 1.10. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. doesn't have a lot to do with really what I'm talking about other than that that's truth what I just said that's truth in my heart that's what I dealt with yesterday and this morning coming in here and that's revealed by the Holy Spirit he's the one that reveals that there's a guy some of you may know him uh, most don't he goes to uh, South Toledo his name's Steve Soto uh, he's very prophetic, and if he, you guys know, he prays for you. He'll say some of the weirdest things you have ever heard in your life. And I've talked to him a little bit about some of this. And what he says is, is we, we were standing in the back one day. When, when, it was when I was really just got back from Teen Challenge, and I'm wanting to walk in the things of God. And I'm like, you know, God's really putting it on my heart to go pray for this guy, but I'm afraid to look weird. That's all it is. Like, I don't want to walk up to some random guy and be like, hey, man, like, I really feel like God told me that you're – detoxing off of narcotics, and I want to put hands on you and pray for you, because that was the situation at South Toledo, and that was the truth. That's what he was. God showed me that, but there's that fear, and I asked Steve, like, how long does it take before that goes away? And he said, it doesn't always go away. You just learn to do it. You learn to not care what other people think about you, 
and you just learn to obey. Right? You obey the Holy Spirit. And that's what, like with what Pastor Joy talked about last week, is walking in the Spirit is walking in obedience. If you're unwilling to obey, you're not going to walk in truth. God's not going to keep showing you truth after truth after truth if you keep walking in, in disobedience. Disobedience leads to deception. That is absolutely scriptural, beyond argument. Disobedience leads to deception. James chapter 1. If we learn to walk in the light, which is truth, and obedience to his word, we will begin to walk in the spirit. I have a couple uh, closing verses here. I'll read. Romans 8, 5 through 7. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on flesh is hostile towards God. It does not submit to God's, God's law. Indeed, it cannot. You cannot walk with God while you're walking after the flesh. That's one of the verses. Like I really, If you're ever talking about walking in the spirit, that is like your main um, verse. Hold on, I'll find I don't have it written down. I'll read it. Pastor Joy read it last week, and you'll probably hear it several more times um, during this, but it's in Galatians chapter 5. I don't believe it is. But I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of of the flesh, and then it goes on to list what those things are. And it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Against such things there is no law. These are not, I'm going to steal a, a word from Pastor Josh. I talked to him yesterday. Um, that one of the things he said he wanted to do in preaching this is demystify the way we look at the Holy Spirit. It's not mystical. It's not unknowing. The Holy Spirit is just as real and knowable as God the Father and Jesus Christ. It's not, it's not weird. Walking in the Spirit isn't weird. It's walking in truth. Walking in the Spirit is walking in obedience. It's allowing the Holy Spirit to guide your life. I'll end with this. Well, I'll just say a couple things I've written down here. Once the Holy Spirit shows you the truth of God, who Jesus is, and what his word is, he wants to work that out in you to sanctify you. The Holy Spirit has a deep desire to reveal things to us. His purpose is to work in us and to bring us into a level of intimacy with God that we cannot attain on our own. There is freedom and walking in truth. This is an absolute, through experience, anybody who's walked with God long enough knows. There is freedom in walking with the, in the truth. You cannot walk with God when you're walking in darkness. 1 John 1, 5 through 5-9, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, 
and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie, we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Holy Spirit deeply desires to work in your life. That's why he's here. That's his function. Each and every one of us, the Holy Spirit wants to reveal who God is to you, the depths of God. If you would just quiet down, spend time in prayer, spend time in the Word, the Holy Spirit will reveal to you the depths of who God is. He did it for his prophets. He, he does it for men and women today. God desires to share his heart with you, and he has done that through his Holy Spirit. But we have to walk in truth, to walk in closeness and intimacy with God. And stand up. So this is for me, since I've already admitted that I have a hard time speaking in front of people because I care what you think. Um, the hardest part, I think, of, of doing a sermon is this ending part, right? This, the transition from speaking to an altar call or dismissal or anything like that. So I'm just going to be honest. I struggle with this part of the sermon. Um, but I would like to say, if anybody needs prayer, there are good men and women of God in here that will pray with you. If anybody needs to talk to somebody, there's good men and women of God in here that will talk to you. If anybody desires a deeper walk with God or, or you're struggling with any of this, there's good men and women of God who want to pray with you this morning. You're more than welcome to come up front. You're more than welcome to grab myself or, or somebody else in here to the side if you're uncomfortable coming up front. We can and not tear down so fast and everybody rush out really quickly after service. That's not a necessity here. We can linger for a little bit. Fellowship. That's what the body of Christ is. So I'm just going to say a prayer. If you want to come up front for prayer, I'd love to pray with you. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, God, and I just pray, Lord, that you would just take your word God, and you would minister to the hearts of those men and women in here, God, myself included, Lord God. There is, there is no end to you, God. There is no end to the depth of who you are, God. There's no end to your desire to share yourself with us. God, I pray that this would, as we go through this sermon series about your Holy Spirit, God, that, that we would grasp just exactly who the Holy Spirit is, and what his role is in our lives, God, and that we would just be willing to receive that, God. I just pray, God, that if there's anybody struggling with anything in here this morning, God, you would give them the courage and the boldness to approach somebody, to be honest. God, you desire truth in the inward man. That's in Psalm 51, verse 6. God desires truth in the inward parts. And he will reveal to you the truth of who you are. He will reveal to you 
what's truly going on inside of you. You cannot find this out on your own. You need the Holy Spirit. We can't do it on our own. That's why Jesus sent him. God, I pray that you would go with your people. God, we just thank you. We praise you for who you are, God. We pray that you would bless our uh, other campus in South Toledo, God, as I believe Joy's bringing the word down there. God, and I pray that you would just continue the work that you have started, God. We, we know you are faithful. We know you are true. We trust you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.